Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. How are you doing? I'm so good. How are you, Rhonda? I am great. And I am really excited about today. Yeah, I know. We have another interview today. We do. We have one of... Well, I shouldn't call it an interview. It's not really an interview. It's more like a conversation, right? That's right. We're just... It's like we're having coffee together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Well, this is a really close friend of mine and someone that has really impacted our church. Yes. And uh, this is our friend, Erica Irwin. Erica Irwin. Welcome. Thank you for having me. We love having you today. We're so excited. Yeah, I can't wait. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me. Welcome. We're so glad to have a chat with you today. Okay. Yeah. I know. And this is like like really special because I feel like there's just so much to unpack today. Erica's story has impacted me in so many ways. And I just feel like every time I hear her talk about pieces of her testimony, I'm always inspired because it's really something that's been remarkable, what she's walked through yeah, and just who she is today and her dedication to Jesus and watching her come to church for years. The first time we met Erica, I was thinking about this the other day. We talk about this often. The first time I met Erica, I think I was nursing Jada in our parent lounge at church. You had just had Spencer. I remember when you walked in, I thought, who is this beautiful, beautiful, striking lady? Like you just were so striking. And then when you started talking, you had the whole parenting lounge laughing the entire time. And I remember thinking, I got to be friends with this girl. And that Ah! is now like almost 14 years ago. And uh, it's just been amazing to journey life with you. And we've vacations together. We've, our kids are super close and we've just watched God do amazing things in our kids. And so I just would love for you to start today, Erica, by telling us about your story and your testimony. We'd love to hear about your faith journey. Okay. Okay. Well, it's funny because you don't think you have much of a faith journey until somebody tells you to think about it. And then so you're like, true. okay, actually, yeah, I it's do have so one. True, I do have right? one. You know, like this is my first podcast I've ever been on. There you go. So good place to do it, right? Yeah. So yeah. So I grew up, my parents are not religious at all. Like okay. we were barely Christmas, Easter type of Catholics. Okay. So really, really barely. And actually the person that introduced me to even the idea of God was actually my ex-husband. And he had been going to a coaching group for chiropractors and they were a faith-based group. And so they were really into everybody going to church and I was not into it. I was actually like really hard towards it but I agreed to go on Sundays and at the time we only we had one daughter and um, she's now 18 turning 19 so that many years ago and I remember the first time that I went to this little church in Barhaven I actually felt badly for the people that were there like I was embarrassed for them that they were so needy and desperate that they had to go to a church and like yeah and like be together and so my it was almost like I felt like I was in high school and you know I was like the new person but I was like way cooler than them in my mind right so they started worship and people started putting their hands up and I was dying like dying for them of embarrassment (laughs) and the funny thing you have to know and I think you guys know about this about me but I actually really hate bad singing like really hate it (laughs) 
And it's actually like a huge pet peeve of mine. And I get really embarrassed for people when they go, especially if they tr- are trying to sing and they really suck at it. So that's kind of the funny backstory about all this. And so I'll explain how God completely changed my heart when it comes to worship. But so that's how I felt when I first went in the oh first time gosh. was these poor people have like really nothing in their lives. So fast forward a couple months, meet a couple more people, great worship team there, and ended up that God broke my heart for him over worship music. So complete transformation, complete transformation. So, um, you know, stayed at this church for a while. Unfortunately, I had a marriage breakdown with this person, and I basically lost my church, like in my divorce. Like that was, you know, what happened. A lot of broken friendships, like over that, and um but the summer before all this happened, I ended up meeting this woman at a church barbecue who came to Life Center, and her name's Nicole. And God planted like a seed in my heart, like about this woman. And I don't know why, but she just stuck in my head as she mentioned Life Center, and it just really stuck in my head. And so then, um, whenever this divorce happened, it was it was a very hard time, like very very mm-hmm. hard. And people want to not take sides, but when they don't take sides, they actually can't be your friend either is kind of how it happens because Mm. they can't hear what you're going through. Mm. And so I really like had to retreat back to friends that had been longtime friends and only family. And I remember one time, um, you know, the Mary J. Blige song, like no more drama in your life. Like that song came on and I was like, no more drama. Like I have to just stop speaking to a lot of people that are causing drama in my life. And um, there was basically only one person like from this church that I can still call my friend today, my friend Holly. And she didn't even know what she had done like over all these years. She just was just my friend. Like that's all there was. And so I remember one time I shared my testimony here at Life Center and she was just blown away that that's what she had done. Like she just didn't know what she had been doing for all these years, like of just meeting for lunch and chatting and doing nothing, like not taking sides or anything, but just being a friend. So yeah, so God just put, yeah, Holly in my life for a very, very important season. And so, um, looking for a new church after that was very difficult because I had been to kind of like a newer style church. I knew that I didn't want to go back to a Catholic church or anything like that. And I didn't really know where to start. So I had gone to a couple churches in our neighborhood and tried a couple different ones and it just wasn't a fit. I had gone for a couple months of different ones, no fit. And then I remembered about this woman that I'd met at this picnic mentioning this one church. And so I came here on a Sunday at Life Center and I walked in and I remember at our old church, people used to kind of tease me because I would wear high heeled boots to church and they would all be wearing like runners or flats and they'd say, oh, you're so dressed up. You're so dressed up. And I was like, high heeled boots and jeans girls like <laughs> take a breath take a breath and then I walked in and um I was not prepared to like for anything I didn't didn't I had no idea I had no idea so I walk in and you Rhonda were singing on stage and you were pregnant with Jade at the time and Rhonda was wearing high heeled boots to her knees and a leopard outfit like oh a skirt God. and a shirt oh <laughs> and I remember gosh. thinking like these are my people. Like, this is my jam. Like, I found my tribe. Yeah. And I remember the lady that was sitting beside me was wearing like Burberry boots, like to her knees. And I was like, finally my people. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So yeah. And I just remember having this feeling of, because I had been praying all summer, like help me find a new home. God, I don't know what my new home looks like. I just need help finding it. And then that's whenever this kind of seed that had been planted at this church picnic of coming here. 
And so, and the other thing I'd been praying for was for godly women, like for friends, because I had, I had lots of friends from high school, university, my sisters, but um, I think that I was just looking for, because I had lost that church group. So now I was looking for new friends and, you know, God did way more than I could have expected as far as that. So, um, so when I came that first Sunday, I remember like bawling my eyes out and sitting by myself and thinking like I am home like that's exactly what God had put on my heart was like you are home and I had this feeling of um just like I felt like God had not abandoned me but felt like where are you in this season you Mm -hmm. know and and Mm -hmm. I just remember him saying to me like I've never forsaken you like I've been here you just haven't been able to kind of see me through all the mess so anyways yeah so that's how I ended up here and then it just really snowballed so that first time I came by myself next time I brought the kids and then when I dropped them off to their different classes I ended up meeting somebody who I'd actually met at the gym you know and so then we started being friends and so it was just like quickly I just started meeting people and then um I ended up being invited by Lori to come to um, a small group at her home and I think we started off with maybe 12 women or something wow. yeah and it grew and it, we grew I remember at one point Jason said you have more people in our basement than most people have in a church because I think we were up to like 32 <laughs> women in your basement yeah. and they in were a tiny townhouse <laughs> Oh yes. my goodness, that's yeah. right. We took up Amazing. every dining room chair, every couch. There were people sitting on the stairs, on the like stairs. going up, just wanting, you know, to belong, yeah. like to belong. Yeah. And I made some really deep friendships in yeah. that group. And then I remember Lori said to us that we, it was time we had to multiply. So we had to divide and we had to move <laughs> to the church and we had to like, yeah, we each had to become leaders or assistant leaders basically to new groups and invite it. And I remember at the time thinking like, what? Like, that's never going to happen, you know? Yeah. But it totally did. Totally did. And then fast forward probably like a year and then ended up um, leading a really amazing group of women that we became very, very close. And those girls are still very close friends of mine today. And we went through so much together. Like some of the girls, you know, like infertility, relationship breakdowns, um, a spouse with cancer, like really major, major things. Mm-hmm. And so those women were more than my answered prayer, like more than my answered prayer as far as that. And then, um, and I remember on Sundays though, like I would still feel super lonely because my husband doesn't come to church and I would be often sitting by myself. And I remember praying again because I would look around and I would see all these couples and I think, well, what, like, I don't, I have to sit by myself. Like, oh, it's not really fair that everybody else has somebody to sit with, you know? And again though, like answered prayer because he put two people in my life who also, were coming to church alone. One because her husband was studying; he was um, becoming a surgeon, which he is now. And the other had moved here from Vancouver. And so those people were, again, answered prayer. You know, of people like to sit with me you yeah, on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I ended up here. Wow! Yeah. Incredible, eh? I, I oh, love your yeah. story. I think what's so neat about your story, though, Erica, and just how you've chosen to walk out Mm -hmm. your faith and your faith journey is that you've been also very intentional both with people Mm -hmm. and to put yourself in places where you can actually cultivate and create that community around you for sure do you know what I mean you've been very intentional about that like you you came into a brand new church environment and Mm -hmm. you're you didn't know a soul and I mean it's a pretty big church you could literally come and leave and not talk to anybody absolutely but yet you put yourself kind of in the proximity of people begin conversations whether it's you know starting a conversation with someone at the gym who ends up 
coming to the church or whether it's just, you know, looking around for somebody to sit with on a Sunday, joining a small group, like you take these very intentional steps to connect. And the, the reality is like a lot of people struggle in a church community with finding a group, a tribe, a, a connection point, a lot. It's a very big um, need for a lot of people, like a burden, eh? It's painful. Yeah. It's painful when yeah, you're coming. I totally but you, agree. I love how you, how you've been so intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember there was a, a season that I went through where I felt like I had eyes to see people who were alone, like who had come alone. And that's actually how I met a lot of these girls was that I just saw them sitting by themselves and then just sat closer to them, closer to them, probably like a bit of a creeper, and then just invited them to our group. Yeah, so that's actually how I met like purposely met people and I remember at our group uh one of them we had decided that we would invite one new person each you know and it didn't work out like not everybody came or whatever but there were definitely people who were seeking to you know and I remember one of our friends Hannah um she was approached by us and she was like I was literally this was my last Sunday here because I have not met anyone and had you girls not come and said anything to me I would not be like staying here and yeah. she yeah. was so Huge. connected and uh, impacted absolutely, by yeah. your group and absolutely and played wow. on the worship team you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah played on the drums yeah, yeah they became wow. a big part I'd love to circle back Erica and talk a little bit about going through divorce and your faith yeah. and how like you were newer in your faith in this way like when you had come you had grown up in the Catholic Church but mm-hmm. like you saying that awakening that came to you how did you, like looking back now, what would you say to someone going through that mm-hmm. in a Christian, like, with their faith and trying to work that out? Because it can feel so complicated and it can feel like, how do I do this? How do I do this and honor God? And how do I do this and be true to what I'm going through and the reality of what I'm facing? What would you say to someone? Because I'm actually thinking of someone that has reached out to me that is going through that very thing of just going through a marriage breakdown and thinking, how do I do this? How do I walk this out in a way that honors God, but also is true to what I know is what's happening in my marriage? And what would you say to someone listening? Yeah, I think that's that. it's a really tricky question because whenever it's happening, you actually feel very guilty because you think like this isn't what God would want, you know, uh, for us. And then at the same time, you also know what's happening. So it's really hard to put the reality into what you're doing as far as your faith. Yeah, I would find for sure that. But um, I don't know, I think part of it was obviously like lots of prayer. Um, and also too, I think that I had to be really careful that I was accepting what God wanted for me, but also not being a doormat. And so I had to really over the years say to myself, like, don't accept everything, you know, like what would Jesus do? So Jesus wasn't a doormat, Yes, you know, he really stood up for himself. So there are definitely times where I had to really stand up for myself. Um, but as far as, yeah, how, how I walked it out, it's almost like it's, it's actually really hard to remember now. It feels like it's so long ago, but I feel like having people in your life that can counsel you, I think there's definitely one at the time, our pastor at the time was trying to counsel, but he actually didn't have the tools to do it properly. And we probably should have been referred to somebody else. And that may have made a difference to be honest, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It's powerful. It's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. And I think the fact that you just determined yourself to put roots in somewhere else, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it would have been really easy too, having gone through that and a lot of pain, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. from a church in the sense, and all of us mm-hmm. can experience things, mm-hmm. but going through yeah. somewhere where you're like, well, that community, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Like that was a really hard thing to go through and mm-hmm. I felt alone. Yeah. It's easier now just to maybe not take that step again. Yeah, for sure. Right. No, because, for sure. Yeah. And especially like with an unbelieving spouse that I have now. So that's, you know, it has affected just that feeling, even that first Sunday of being like, so I'm going to try a new church. I'm going to go, I'm going to try it. I'm going to leave the kids with you. Here we go. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah, just like trying things on my own for sure, for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, I think feel like that's also why God has put people in my life so quickly, especially mm-hmm. like as almost like a protective layer, you know, to be able to make me feel that my choice for different things was the right choice. So, yeah. What um I I'm just curious because I do think there are so many people uh in the church and outside the church, just in life who have walked through the pain of a divorce. And it is one of the most painful things that you can walk through. And having walked through that journey yourself, when you are talking to somebody who's either just their, their relationships breaking down, what are, what are some things that you have learned that, you know, having been through it, that you can walk alongside, come alongside somebody, support them through that. What would you say about that? How do you, how do you walk with somebody now and what have you learned in, the, yeah. in that process? I've had lots of people who have asked me like to have coffee with them because they're just maybe in the almost in the process of go, either going to divorce or a marriage breakdown. And a lot of the times I really want to counsel people that it's not easier to be divorced. And I remember somebody saying that to me, like it's not it's getting divorced is not make it easy. And that sometimes people think that that's going to be the easy step. Like this isn't working. It's going to be easier if we're not together. And I remember somebody actually saying to me that you'll only ever see the worst of that person for the rest of your life. You'll actually never see the good again, where when you're married, you do see some good and you do see some bad, obviously. So I really try to say that to people. Like it's not an easy way out. It's actually a very hard road and not to think it's an easy way out. So, and I, and I know there's lots of reasons why people get divorced, you know, especially, especially if it's something where there's any kind of like abusive situation, physical or more verbal. Yeah. Of course. That would be completely different. But yeah. yeah, So I would just say to people, it's not, it's not the easy way out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, yeah, that would not necessarily be something that you would know had you not walked that road and had you not gone through that. It's very hard for relationships for sure. Like as far as, you know, what I experienced with different friendships and financially, there's lots of reasons where all of a sudden and then of course the other person yeah and then when there's kids involved too and when yeah. there's kids involved yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely wow now going into this season of your life now and that's been quite the journey um with your spouse now and be having an unbelieving spouse mm-hmm. how have how are you navigating that you've got children yeah. like i think back when you were coming with four children yeah, yeah. by yourself each yeah. sunday every sunday every sunday and i know there was someone mm-hmm. that would really help you out. Just yeah. the importance of yeah. the church community. Share a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah. So there was definitely a season where getting four little people bundled up, especially whenever it was, you know, one per like I have I have four and there's six years between everybody. So my youngest would have been like in a baby carrier and then my other one would have been I had a non walking seventeen month old and then oh and a newborn. Goodness. Yeah. A non walking seventeen month old with a baby. With a newborn. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, there's 15 months between the two younger when ones. When did that 17 month old start walking? Yeah. Uh, like 18 months. months. <laughs> you have to walk. Now, now he runs. Survive. He doesn't even walk. He just That's runs. So, you know what's so yeah. funny is my third child as well, 15 months. I was yeah. pregnant the whole time and she yeah. didn't walk. Yeah. And all my other kids were like 11 months. Like they yeah, all walked, totally. you know, totally. Exactly. exactly. I was like, yeah. you little 
I, I literally had to carry her yeah. for my entire pregnancy. But they, they're they're only sixteen months apart. So yeah, it's so very similar. Months apart. Yeah, so. yeah, so similar. So she, yeah. you know, started to walk, but still, I was like, no, come on, totally, totally. Uh, sorry, okay, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So I remember, like, in the mornings, like, especially trying to get them, you know, in coats and things like that. And at the time, um, at the time, I was on a mat leave, obviously, and I still had a nanny who would come and clean our home on Sunday mornings, like, just kind of tidy up. And so she would help me with the coats and kind of get them out the door because uh, my husband wasn't coming to church and so he and he was on this huge project so he was always working and so I had this this nanny who would help and then I ended up meeting in one of our small groups um, a woman named Heather and at the time I think she was only like 20 or 21 and she just came alongside me and just started helping and she would meet me at the door with my double stroller and my four crazies and she would take a couple to one class and I would take a couple to the other and she did it for years like just years and I remember this Christmas she wrote me a text after um, the Christmas Eve service saying I went to church with two kids by myself and like you should have put me to more work because that was a lot of work to go with two so the fact that you went with four you know and so she yeah still remembered all that time yeah. and I remember I had a double <gasps> stroller and I would have to literally use it like a little school bus like go and pick people up in the nursery <laughs> put two in go to the next you know and then you know Jackson at the time was probably how old was he, he was must have been three and busy and so I would have to get him to like hold on to the stroller with his little hand and make my way through the crowd and then get to the car and then put everybody in and fold up the double stroller you know so it was like a major undertaking to go to church but at the same time you know it was my it was my reprieve too because I needed to kind of have that feeling of starting off my week mm-hmm. at church with my people yeah kind of like almost Getting like a up. it's like having a workout right like you have Getting a workout you feel better spiritual, a spiritual it's workout exactly that's sure. exactly what yeah, it was yeah strengthened yeah. and built up yeah and, and then I would really look forward to our life group like to have that one night where I could go and I remember I I think at the time I had to bring Caitlin with me because she was still too super tiny sometimes yeah and like nursing and stuff yeah that's amazing I just think it's so beautiful to listen to your story in that way too Erica because I think it's easy to make excuses not to go to church or I'm too tired the weather whatever it may be but the tenacity you had and I feel like that has that faithfulness Mm -hmm. is so significant and even the faithfulness of people just serving. Like yeah. I'm thinking of Holly yeah. that didn't even know she was just going for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. We think we've talked about this before. So things that we think are insignificant end up being some of the most mm-hmm. significant things because mm-hmm. they're constant drips of love. Mm-hmm. That's right. And serving that over time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it creates such a place of, um, just, I don't know. It just does yeah. something so deep and significant. But at the time we're thinking, Oh, I'm just like mm-hmm. Heather, I'm just meeting her and helping put the kids no in the class. Deal. But it's oh, such a testament to you too, Erica, amazing. To, to recognize that. Yeah. Yes. Because oh, for sure. honestly, like yeah. I, I would imagine that in those seasons and even somebody coming and meeting out there and helping you in church with whatever you were bringing, whatever stresses, whatever overwhelmed feelings, like I rem- I was there too, four kids under five, like it was, that was, those were crazy years. I don't have a lot of memories yeah. because. Totally. Like, well, there's, there's a reason. There's a reason. get to the last one, like, it's like, what happened? It's all a blur, right? Yeah. But literally that you recognized that these were little gifts from God to your life through these years. Like, that's sure. so beautiful because mm. we can get really caught up in how overwhelmed we are and actually not even see the gifts yeah. that are all around us. So it really is a testament to your own, just your heart towards people and just being able to recognize that you had these little these little gifts from God in people all throughout your life and journey. Yeah, it's true. Because I remember uh, there would be times in our group where we would be asked to like encourage somebody. So like to bring a card for someone. And I remember writing one to Heather and she was like, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. Like 
I don't deserve this, you know, and, but she didn't know what a lifesaver she was every single Sunday. Just, and my kids would be so excited. They'd be like, there's Feather. Like they couldn't even say Heather, you know, like, there's Heather. And they would just go running to her and off they would go. And that would be it. So, so helpful. So helpful. Now, I just want to um, talk a little bit about you as a mom. Mm-hmm. You're like one of the most amazing moms she of is. any mom I've ever seen. Kids are like rolling their eyes. <laughs> oh, I mean, are. like not to say that you're perfect or anything like that or that you've done it perfectly, but you just, you've loved being a mom. Like you've really loved yeah, it. for sure. And for you've, sure. and you've just embraced all that it is to love and support and care and nurture and and be really, really intentional with your kids and with just being a mom. I don't even know what the question is, but can you speak to that? Because I know it's like, oh, I'm here. I'm going to pat myself on the back. And that's not really what I'm looking for. But like, what did you always want to be a mom? Like, where did this kind of start? And, yeah. and how how did you become Erica, amazing mom. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, well, I knew I always wanted to be a mom. I was that person that like babysat when they were probably nine or 10, like for neighbors that I probably shouldn't have been left alone with yes. two kids yes, at that age, yeah. you know, $2 an hour or whatever I was getting paid. But, um, and then in university, I actually wanted to be a teacher. So I had that, you know, going in my mind. But, um, but then after my daughter was born, I was like, I always wanted four kids, but then after she was born, I actually thought I'm good with one. Like one is a lot, you know? And yeah. then, so there's actually three years between her and my second. And, but then after, like after that, I, cause I, I said I wanted four, but then I didn't really know how much it was yeah. to have, yeah, to have kids. And then once you have two, well, you just add two more and whatever. Right. So <laughs> why not? Why not? Yeah. So yeah. But uh, yeah, as far as wanting to be a mom, for sure, I have always wanted to be a mom. And then whenever my daughter was little, I had her when I lived in the States. So I actually didn't really get a maternity leave. So you only get six weeks or the time you did oh my goodness yeah. and I so took, you're working full-time you have a baby full-time. and you have yeah. to go back to work after six weeks yeah exactly and I had a big job too so I was responsible I, I worked in software sales and, and my territory was massive and so it was a lot of travel and so I was flying all the time and I only had six weeks off with her and I took an extra three weeks of all my vacation and I remember all my female uh, colleagues saying to me like oh you're gonna be so out of the game after nine weeks like you're gonna be so out of the game I couldn't wait what? to get back to work after after six and okay. I remember thinking like in Canada they get a year like a actually year. at that time it was only six months was it my first son was only okay. six months okay. yeah yeah, yeah. But, I remember thinking like yeah. that is crazy you know so anyways and but I was very fortunate because the woman that lived across the street from us she uh, offered to take Ainsley and so I could go and nurse her during the day and you know like see her during my lunch hour or things like that so it was a little bit different than most but yeah, that was difficult. That was difficult. Like traveling with a, with, you know, a breast pump. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Wow. And nobody had like nursing mom rooms or anything. Wow. So I remember like standing in public bathrooms, you know, pumping and I got stopped at the airport in Kansas. They tried to confiscate it because they thought it was a bomb because it was after 9-11. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh- yeah, your, my breast, breast pump. pump machine. You're like, it's yeah. really not. It's yeah. really not. And they're like, what is this liquid that's in there? I'm like, it's breast milk. <laughs> like, and oh I was trying to say it really quiet. Yeah, totally. And the guy You're was like, like, what is it, ma'am? <laughs> oh, that is funny. Yeah. And then finally, the guy behind me had to say to him, it's breast milk, buddy. Like, she's <laughs> yeah, a nursing she, mom. She's been trying to be discreet about it. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, that is funny. Yeah. That is funny. Okay. So, okay, so three years later, so yeah. you went back to work right away. Went back initially. to work. Yeah. Three years later, had another baby. Yeah, and then I stayed home from my mat leave that time, and I had a you full- You were back in Canada now? Yep, and I had a full year, so oh, yeah. that was okay. really great. Okay. And um, and then I went back to work part-time after that, but I only At got the to- same job. Same job, but okay. I only got to do that for a while, yeah, because of the type of job I had. They were kind of like, we don't really do this job part-time, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so then at that point, and then I also felt like a little bit- um, almost like jealous of my friends that had that mat leave like for their first because they just got to enjoy that year and I remember them all complaining like oh it's so much work and so this and I was like but you get to be with your baby like you don't know what it's like to have to leave like I mean after six weeks or nine weeks like you're barely healed nobody oh. is sleeping and like little oh my still. so little so, so little, little. Yeah. yeah so just you know like friends who got to stay home I was kind of like girl yeah. not, not not exactly happy you to hear no exactly yeah. no exactly yeah so and then my other two I had like so uh, my third I had a mat leave and then I basically had to go back to work a little bit early because I got pregnant so quickly with Caitlin that I had to actually go back to work I think it was two months early to get some more yeah to get some more mat leave so and then you never went back after Caitlin did you No, yeah so whenever uh when I was on mat leave with Caitlin they were offering layoff packages at Siemens and so I had a feeling I was going to get one and um I had different things that happened at work like where every time I'm sure this would never happen now but every time I went back to work I would lose accounts to my male colleagues who were not taking mat leaves you know and so yeah Yeah. so but I'm sure that would never happen anymore yeah so then whenever that came up and and in the meantime actually Lori you probably don't even know this but uh Lori had asked me what do you want to be when you grow up and I remember at the time thinking like I am grown up like I'm 30 and I have a real job, you know? And she's like, what would you want to be? And I just said a party planner. And she's like, what? And I said, yeah, like a wedding planner or an event planner. And do you know this? Yeah. yeah no, okay. I didn't. No, okay. no, I didn't know this. No, probably one of my life group questions yes, or something. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I was like, it's not like, you know, you grew up thinking, I can't wait to be in software sales. Like nobody, yeah, <laughs> or very totally. few people probably think yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but I was, yeah, I was just super fortunate that that's the job I got after university. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the money it was, was great. Job. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it was during like the software boom or the, sorry, the high tech boom. And so, anyways, yeah. And so, like, that just little seed was planted in my head. So then, after this happened like with a layoff package I said to Mike like I think I want to try this and he's like go for it you have a great layoff package you know you've got tons of time to do this and just go for it so I decided I didn't want to go and take any classes at right Algonquin or anything and I was like it's just a big project. I've done lots of project stuff. I've done yeah. lots of marketing. I've done lots of budgeting. So I'm just a different project. It's not software. It's a wedding. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. And then, then uh, you know, and I remember I actually, I looked back at this journal and I had written in it, like, could I do this? Could I prosper at it? Would I be good at it? You know, and this was 12 years ago, I guess now. And um, then, and I remember praying to God about this and saying, like, is this going to be a good choice? for us as a family because what I liked was that I could work from home yeah my weddings were on the weekend when my husband could watch the kids it didn't require daycare because that was one of the things we wanted to consider was like no more nanny no more daycare and um then uh positioned open at the church for doing weddings here and so then yeah so then Lori hooked me up with that yeah so I did tons of weddings here like I don't even know how many a year like at least 20 yeah you know yeah and so then I just started and then I would offer other advice to people and then slowly just kept trying and there you go yeah 
So and my cool. and the first actually the first wedding I ever did was for Heather. So the woman that would come and help me oh. with my kids. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah, I remember she was super shy about telling us that she had a boyfriend oh and then goodness. got engaged and and at the time our group we were all there was a florist in our group, like that we had a makeup artist in our group, then there was me and we were like you oh. are in the best <laughs> place ever to get married. Jackpot. Jackpot. Yeah, so we so we all chipped in and like helped her with her wedding and she was my first. That is oh, so cool. That is so neat. That's the full yeah. circle, eh? Total of full a circle of like somebody just saying, "Hey, like, can I help you? I'm, totally. you know, I'm single. I'm a young adult. I, I can do yeah. this. Yeah. And literally, here you're all planning her wedding. I know. Oh, it was so really beautiful. great. It was really great. Yeah. So. Oh, that is amazing. Wow. Amazing payback. Amazing. And now you're extremely successful in that. And yeah doing so well yeah so literally okay so we're talking about you being a mom yeah and then we went on the career journey so now what I'm hearing is that you can be an incredible mom Mm -hmm. and still have a career yes yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and I actually think that's part of what you know I mean I don't think you have to I think you can stay home with your kids and be an incredible mom and that's beautiful beautiful privilege yeah but I also think that within us there is this desire to just make a difference wherever we go, to do something meaningful with our For lives, sure. even outside of our family, like what we do in our families mm-hmm. and the difference we make in our families and what we bring and how we serve our families. It's so, so, so incredible. But there is even more room within us to be able to, um, you know, bring something to the world around us, bring those same gifts, those same strengths. And I'm sure the same gifts and strengths that you bring to every wedding that you plan, you bring to your home. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> of organization and planning and intentionality and all of those, all of those beautiful things. And it's part of what has made you such an yeah. extraordinary mom. Yeah, it's true. Because whenever they were little, it was actually perfect because then I had a little bit of something that was kind of for me. And then the rest of the time I was stay at home mom. And then as they more and more kids got into kindergarten and back then kindergarten was just until 11am. So it wasn't a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. So and I'm a runner. So I would use that time to run and then I would barely have any time and then nap time. I made my kids nap for way too long. You're like you're having a nap. They joke about that still. Yeah, I think they were like six and they were still napping. <laughs> you're like, I need you to nap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. And then I would look forward to the weekends, like to have time out of the house and to have something like, you know, get dressed up and do something different. And when they were little, I did a lot of volunteering too. So I was keeping busy with stuff like that too. And uh, yeah, so I guess a bit of both. And then now that they're, you know, all a little bit older and in school, the only problem is that the summers that they are off and that's my busy season. So that's the only, yeah. yeah, if I could, if I could switch when weddings were, yeah. it would not be the summer. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. Uh, but summers are challenging for all moms, especially yes. any moms that work. They just are so hard. Oh yeah, all the worlds converge together, and you're like, oh my goodness, like it's wonderful, but it's also totally a lot. No, totally, totally. Yeah, and my husband and I both work from home, so to have the kids all home sometimes, oh. you're like, go somewhere else, <laughs> go make plans, please. Oh, yes, make plans. yes, exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. I know because they're always eating and they're always making a mess. Always eating. Yes. Yes. Constantly. Mm -hmm. Constantly. I I love to, I keep saying circle back, but there's one thing I love as we're coming kind of in the, the end part of our podcast, Eric, I'd love you to talk a little bit about those that are lifting to have a a believing spouse Mm -hmm. and are just believing for their spouse to have an encounter with God. And how do you walk that out? 
And uh, it's one thing to say in theory, but what's the practical steps? And I think that's a hope that people need to hear because I know that's something that people have asked. And so would you be willing to share a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So as far as an unbelieving spouse, I mean, I've always just taken it on that it's really not, it's not my responsibility. Like that's not something that is of me. And I actually get like a little discouraged whenever people have stories where they say like, oh, I just like stayed in their room and I just prayed and prayed and then they became, because I just feel that like really... God has put it on my heart that it's not my it's not my job like I'm not there to save anyone like him my children anyone my friends my family anyone and so but I do believe that I can pray for them and then that's just my job and just to expose them to them thinking that um especially things like when people have thoughts around it being um I don't know what the word is right now but like uh, where, where people are two-faced. Like, so some people would be two-faced, right? They'd be super nice at their church or super nice with their church friends and then not like that with their, with their, with everyone else. So just to be really authentic. And, you know, sometimes like he'll ask me, how was church? And I'll say, no, it was all right. And other times I'll be like, oh, it was so good. You know, so I don't want it to always be like, oh, it was so great. It was so great. You know, right. Just be really just right. That you're selling it. this like yeah. idea of church and church life and all you're missing it was out so on. So much fun and you missed everything. No, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely not. Right. Definitely not. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I actually hold it really loosely, you know, and it's the same thing with my kids. Like I've exposed them to what I can expose them to. And I just hold it really loosely because I just feel that it's not actually me. They need to make their own relationship with God. And then I've done, I've done what I can do. And I just, I don't want to stand in anyone's way either. I don't want it to be something where they'll say, you know, I've heard stories about people where they say like, oh, well, my parents were like this or my parents were like that. But then at home they were like this. I just don't want to be like that. I don't want to stand in anyone's way. Right. So yeah. you try to live what, like live the message of your yeah, life out exactly. authentically in every part of your life yeah, and exactly. just let your life speak. Yeah. as as it's going to but then trusting god yeah, to exactly. meet your kids and your husband where they're at yeah exactly and to love them cuz they he loves them more than we ever could that's right you know if our you know if everything that we could desire for them would be to find a relationship with god or just have that revelation of who god is for their lives but God loves them even more than us. Yeah, like he really, right. really does. So, you know, coming to terms with that or just being at rest in that is a beautiful space to be mm -hmm. able to just be at rest in that and to pray for them and to live, you know, live an authentic faith and yeah. walk that out fully. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I also don't expect any, like as an example with my husband, I used to really want him to come with me on a Sunday just to have like that companion, but that's just not something that's going to happen for now. And so I just have to just be okay with that, you know, and not yeah. be like resentful or just make any kind of waves about that. You know, I just, I don't want him to ever feel excluded or kind of punished by me for not coming with me or not. Has not that been bleeding. intentional for you to have to yeah, make that decision? Yeah, very intentional. Yeah, very intentional. That's, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, that's actually, yeah. that's very good. Because yeah. yeah, I could see how that... No, for sure. Because there's sometimes where I get, you know, I get in the van all by myself on a Sunday because so-and-so has soccer or so-and-so has something and I'm just like, okay, I just have to be okay with that. You know, I just have to be okay that I'm going to be by myself. And there has been times where I've been sitting there and, and I've definitely felt sorry for myself. Like, boo-hoo, poor me, like all by themselves. Yeah. And there has been times too where you know, God will say like, look around you and I'll actually see that beside me are five seats, you know, like for the other five people in my family. And so I think like, okay, oh. just got to be okay with it. Right. You know, it's yeah. beautiful. Right. Yeah. yeah. Going to hold on to that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes I just see the empty seats and I yeah. think like, that's okay. It's okay. I love that. Yeah. That really is the eyes of faith that God can give us when we just feel really discouraged to say he's working when we can't see it. He's yeah. always working. That's right. And uh, he has a plan and a purpose. And I think even we were praying yesterday at church 
about healing or about different things. We have an outcome in mind and we hear a story. That's right. And we think, man, why isn't that my story? Exactly what you're saying. Like, I've been praying for my husband. I've been praying for my children, fill in the blanks, whatever that may be. And my story doesn't even look like it's even moving towards that. (laughs) It feels maybe the opposite for some people listening. But God is working and he's working all things together. And you're right. We don't hold in our hand the ability to supernaturally put that like we make can, something happen make something happen we can plant the seeds like you're saying we can expose yeah. and live the life and bring the spirit of god wherever we are but it has to be the spirit of god and i think you like Lori said being in that restful place is so beautiful and even you being honest to say those times i am discouraged that god gives you that to look around and be like okay those five seats yeah, take jesus totally. It will happen. It will happen in your time and in your way. Yeah. And I think too that, uh, you know, going back to the beginning of this story with me being so embarrassed for people that sing, you know, (laughs) so, but I get really encouraged because sometimes there'll be a song, like as an example, I don't know the name of it, but it's like something about like, this is how we fight our battles or this is how Mm -hmm. I fight my battles. And I remember one time we had a worship night here and I had brought my kids and they were like begrudgingly coming. Like they were not happy. They probably just wanted to stay home on a Sunday night. And I remember that song came on and I was like, no, this is how we fight our battles like this is how I'm gonna do it is just keep keep showing up for them you know and I remember looking over at that point and my boys who do not sing were actually singing and I was like there we go so you know so sometimes just like yeah and then yeah and so and the other thing is that when I do feel um anytime I go for a run my running playlist is like a worship mix and so it does help me kind of like get over some of the things yeah, yeah. like yeah like, work wait. it out with the lord yeah exactly no exactly yeah so there's definitely been some songs that are very powerful to me as far as things that will encourage me with things you know with things about my family that's really really beautiful and quite profound honestly like if we can all get into a place where we are so submitted before the lord that we lay down those attitudes that we have towards what whatever's happening around you know, around us that we're either disappointed in or, or it hasn't met our expectations or, you know, we've been let down or disappointed or things haven't gone the way that we maybe would have imagined or hoped that they would like to be able to just continually lay that down before the Lord and walk in love despite that walk in Mm -hmm. faith, despite Mm -hmm. that walk with eyes of faith and just a a space of hope and believing Mm -hmm. like that's, that's powerful. That's yeah. really, really powerful. Yeah. And I find too, I have eyes like of a different background than some people. So whenever I see somebody who is maybe like new to our church or I've invited somebody and I can see them looking around and thinking like, how is this? Like hands in the air. There's words on the screen. Like one of my friends joked that it's it was like Christian is. karaoke. Totally, totally. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I'm like, I can see, like, what's I can see what's going on, you know? And so I feel like whenever I invite somebody new, I'm always like, this is how it's going to go. Like, this is how I felt yeah. the first time. You may not feel like this, but I'm just going to tell you how I feel. And yeah. I just kind of like lay it on the line so totally. that nobody, I don't want anybody to ever feel uncomfortable because I can remember that feeling of like uncomfortable. And sometimes you have to be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. You're actually put in an uncomfortable yeah. situation for a reason, right? Yeah, that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. No, exactly. Exactly. So, but I'm also not, not I don't know, I'm not scared of inviting people. Like Rhonda yeah. and I have a, have a group right now yeah. where it's like basically 10 women now and we called it a book club. You yes. know, so we we kind of teased them like we we, we tricked you with one book, <laughs> and, 
but yeah and so we've like just created this amazing group of women you know and now so. you're like hardcore jesus group. yeah totally <laughs> yeah totally. and they're all in different faiths like as far as the voice, God, God. The voice of god yeah, we're reading right i know now. i don't say different faith but different denominations yeah and even way different, different places journeys, in their yeah. places yeah. in their faith and it's, yeah. it started in your neighborhood that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know that's going back you're like i'm gonna have a book club Rhonda, <laughs> would you come run the book club and you in you were like, I really want to bring Jesus more into this yeah. environment. And yeah. you have slowly. That's incredible. Like brought them in and they're just going all for it. Like they're showing yeah. up on Christmas. They're showing up for conferences. They're yeah. showing up Amazing. and they're actually engaging, yeah, totally. fully engaging and growing in their faith. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's everybody beautiful. had it. Yeah. Everybody had an open heart for it for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. And it's been nice to watch their friendships grow like inside yeah. of each other and like, yeah, just praying for, you know, praying for their whatever, whatever's going on in their lives. Well, I think those listening, you know, and for myself too, Erica listening, it just reminds me that being rooted in a community is critical. Oh, so critical. It's so critical. And no matter what your hurts or pains have been to maybe, maybe some are listening that have really, they're no longer a part of a church and they're like, I just can't do, take that step again. Take the step. Like, take the step and ask God to give you a home somewhere. Yeah. But to be connected, to stay authentic, and just to continue grow and to persevere. And I think that's what you've done. The steadiness of showing up Sunday after Sunday, bundled babies to sometimes one child, four children alone. You just keep showing up. Worship nights. You're still doing small groups. You're still doing all of these things that literally are producing such growth and health and just a steadfastness in you. Lifeline. Lifelines, yeah. That is getting you through in growth and in Jesus. And I think those are things that we can easily not look past, but think is not as important that are actually the critical lifelines that get us through. And so you have been a model of that. You have literally been an example in my own life of that. And I think a lot of the women that are around you, you have such influence in their lives because of what, what you've walked through for sure, but because of how you've walked through it and you're still here 18 years later, mm-hmm. you're still in church, hands up, singing <laughs> your heart out, no matter what you sound like, even you know, like I'm watching you at worship nights and on Sundays, you've moved right near, the, like near the front, hands up, unashamed in your love and devotion to God, but just that journey. And I just want to say, I just love, love your story because of that. It just brings to light the significance of just being faithful and just persevering when you don't feel like it, but you just keep doing what you know is going to bring you life and putting roots in. And so that really is the awakening for me. It's all about. Absolutely. And I think two people need to understand that it's, it's not easy. You know, yeah, so right. whenever you don't feel like going, you still have to do it. And I right. like we used to joke about this, but anytime we had a small group, it was a snowstorm. It was hail. It was like the worst weather totally. every time, you know, and when we meet on Thursday mornings for our group right now, there's always something that comes up. Somebody's got something, you know, but you just got to just say, you know what? It can't get my way. Got to can't get my way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Erica, welcome to um, the club of needy people who, (laughs) you know, I actually think that's such a funny way. No, but even for you to come into church the first time and see that, because there is a truth to that. Like there is this recognition that we get to in faith where we say like, I don't have all the answers, right? I am not going to be my own savior. Like I am actually going to surrender to something greater than I, but, but honestly, even in that moment, like to come in with that mindset and to come in with that space, how often do we approach our life that way? Like I've got it. 
I've got things all together. I know what I'm going to do. Like, you know, and I am the boss of me and I, you know, but there is this beauty in faith of where we can actually put all that stuff down. And we are, we are those needy people before God to say, God, like we need your help. We want you with us everywhere we go. We surrender it all to you, you know, but I just, I just imagining that and just saying, welcome, welcome to 18 years of now, uh, desperation for Jesus being a part of that and the last um the last thing I just want to share just before we go today is um how I do find it hilarious how you get so embarrassed like about people singing and I have this memory of I don't you might remember it. I don't know, but we were okay. like, we were at like some sort of karaoke, like maybe like a Christmas party or yes, something. We a, did yeah, karaoke. Volunteers and here. somebody, somebody I think made me go up and sing. And like my, the one thing I, Erica told me that years ago. And I said to her, like the one, I'm not really afraid of anything except singing in a microphone. I don't, I can talk in a microphone. I can do embarrassing things. I, I'm not even afraid of being embarrassed, but, but singing in a microphone is like one thing and crying in public. So those two things were like the two, my two greatest fears. And I remember you and I bonding over this, but I actually went up in that karaoke night and sang, trying to overcome my fear of singing. And then Erica's like, I'm just, I'm so embarrassed for you. Like, it hurts me. It just hurts me. I think me. I actually left. Like, I don't think I could even have stayed the whole night. <laughs> this is true words. You can't like, handle it. Your heart. Really and every time somebody, and in church world, people who can't sing, sing into microphone all the time, Absolutely. right? Like, you'll go up and pray and then you'll kind of sing out. And I was like, man, I'm probably going to be in that scenario someday in my life. I better get a handle on this because I my throat closes I cannot do it it's okay I was embarrassed for you so you didn't have to be embarrassed for yourself (laughs) you had somebody being embarrassed for you (laughs) anyways I just found that so funny I remember us bonding over that oh I love that so good well uh friends thank you for listening into our coffee time conversation today felt like we were just sitting in a living room and having a nice chat and reminiscing and talking about all that God has done in our lives over the years but I just want to remind you that God has complete confidence in you. And that you are crowned as a daughter of the King. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast. And you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. We'd love to connect with you.